Hey everybody and welcome to this episode of Lunch with Lindsay. So this one's a little bit different because this actually was born out of a conversation I was having about my last episode, which was with NBA star Chris Paul. So to recap, I was talking to Chris about his book 61 that just came out. It's about his life as an NBA player, also though um, about his family growing up, about his life as a father, a son, a grandson, a husband, all the things. And he, he kept in his conversation about it making me think about my husband and the book he wrote two years ago called Pops, which is about his father's battle with addiction, but also stories of his growing up um, along the way. And there was a lot that intersected. And so I found myself talking to Melvin about this. And then after we were discussing some things, I thought, you know what? There are some really important nuggets in here I would love to share with you guys. So I uh, convinced my husband, Craig Melvin, to go downstairs and hang out in one of his favorite spots in our house, our booth and talk a little bit about what he's learned in the years since he wrote his book, um, what it's been like for him since his father has now passed uh, the threshold of five years sober. And I hope that there's a lot that you can learn from this conversation. So here it is, sit back, I hope you enjoy our talk. One of the things that I think we, we both have in common, and you know, you grow up a certain way, and, and one of two things happens. The example you see is the example that you decide you're gonna follow, or the example you see, you're like, oh, I don't wanna be anything like that. I don't know what I wanna be, what I wanna do, but I don't wanna go this way. I've seen this way. I'm going this way. And I think we both had that experience to a certain extent. And so, I, you know, I, I, my dad, you know, we had a complicated relationship for a long time, but we wouldn't be, sitting in this booth and, and we wouldn't be together. And, and had it not probably been for the example that I saw, you know, you can be- you Really? Can, what do you, you mean? Well, because you, you can be more motivated, I think. And this is, again, this is my opinion, but I think you can be, or certainly just as motivated by negative examples as you are by positive examples. Yeah. Positive, I think it's probably easier like if you have a positive example to say, okay, I, I want to emulate that. And I hope that's, you know, what I'm, what I'm doing for, for our kids and what you're doing. But, but even negative examples, like you can see something and, 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 and think to yourself, you know, I don't know how I want my journey to go, but this is not who I want to be. And I think for Chris, to a certain extent, there was, there was some of that, but there is also this, this innate magnetic uh north star like draw to family which keeps you grounded and i think right. that's one of the things that's that's always helped him resonate with lots of people also with that what became really clear over the course of the conversations especially when we were sitting at wake forest was he kept saying because he was home. Mm -hmm. He's like, I don't get to be here enough. And it was like, everyone was singing his praises and saying, you're, our, you're ours, you're mm -hmm. ours. But he was like, and he was torn up about it. Mm -hmm. and, and he said that, but you could also feel it off of him. It was the thing that upsets him is, and he actually said, being, having this dream, living out my dream, doing what I dreamt as a kid, he realizes, and is a living example of the sacrifice that you make to be able to be lucky enough to do it which for him is not being able to be home enough. 
But yeah, but even beyond that, like when you go home, you realize that what you're doing and who you are, it's not, you know, it's not not about you. Uh, It's not even about your family. It's about all these other people who have invested emotionally in, in you. They've invested time in you and, and they see, you know, I had a, a FaceTime with um, a couple on Friday. I'd, I'd gone to school. Uh, name's Marcy. Her name, maiden name was Marcy Squirewell. And she, her, her youngest son, her, her middle son, wants to be a journalist. And she reached out and she wanted to come up. And she brought the three boys and her husband up from Florida. And, and I hadn't seen her in, you know, I, can't, I don't remember when. But, like, we grew up together in elementary school. Her, her son's there in my dressing room and and uh we were t- and i and, you know i've got a, a weird memory and i remember vividly her parents names weird memory meaning what photographic um not photographic but i think my memories probably served me well professionally to a certain extent long term short term i've got no memory but her but anyway her parents i remember her parents names and i was like oh yeah how's, how's your mom doing how's the long is she doing blah 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 and, Anyway, and she was telling me about her mom and how she read the book and how proud they were and blah, blah, blah. Not blah, 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 but... And, uh, and I said to her offhand, I said, well, we should call him. Let's FaceTime him in. She yeah. FaceTime him and mom pops up. And I, you know, I kind of grew up with knowing her mom and her older sister, Tanya, and, and uh, her mom and her dad, Elijah. They were, you know, talking about how proud they were of, you know, any, you know, modicum of professional success maybe I've had. And uh, we went down memory lane, and, and I said afterwards to my assistant, I said, you, I'm talking like I'm talking to an audience. I said to <laughs> Bailey. Bailey. I said to Bailey. Bailey. I was like, you know, I said, I said, you know, you forget sometimes. The longer you do it, the less it becomes about you. Like, it's about all yeah. these people who, for a variety of reasons, you know, they either, they see themselves in you, they look up to you, they remember you from when they, they're all these different groups. And the longer you do something, the larger those groups become. And people will come to the plaza now. There's a group this morning from Columbia, uh, Irmo. Uh, it was a group of five, uh, three generations. They were celebrating their grandmother's 80th birthday. And um, the grandmother said to me, she's like, oh, Craig, I used to watch you and you at WIS. And the mom said, oh, and you went to college with my friend blah 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 and the daughter's like i remember when you did crit and you 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 i you hear stories like that sometimes you know and and i don't know like for me at least you you start to realize it, it's not about like me it's about all the things you come to represent for so many different people the pressure you mentioned is and what's funny about pressure and i think chris and that others I've talked. I talked to Sean White this morning on the show. The Olympian. Oh, the, the I Olympic mean, snowboarder. Oh, Sean White. Who said to me, "He's like the last time I saw you, you oh, almost yeah. passed out." Why? I was in Denver. I landed really oh, fast, right. and I got I got the air sickness. That's it's right. Like, but I, but I'm oh, so God. not to not to whatever not to toot my own horn, but I'm in this documentary that that on on Max. I forget which episode. Um, and it was, it was awkward because he asked me if I'd seen myself in the dock and, and I hadn't seen the full dock, but it's four parts. Who has time to watch the all four? Anyway, okay, I that's okay, but you should make time to watch but, it. But he was talking about like pressure and how, 
how it's weird, I think, for people to talk about pressure because, like, if you feel pressure, like, you know, especially, prof- I'm talking professionally, not personally. If you feel like professional pressure, typically it's because you've been blessed with a lot. You've been blessed yeah. with, with opportunity, championship, success, whatever. Prestige. Yep. You've been blessed with, and no one wants to hear anyone whine about how hard it is or how much you feel like you, no one wants to hear that. Right. I think it's changed a little bit, but, but I think that's what makes it really hard for a lot of people. Like it's, um, um, I think that's why I'm so drawn to the backstory of people because, and I think you're like this too, because, okay, covering the NFL, People say that all the time. Oh, really? That guy has paid blah, 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 millions sure. of dollars to do that. Give me a break. But using the Chris Paul story as an example, he's he's never won a championship, sure. as you know. And so he's, do, he's always the good soldier, always the best leader on the team. Sure. He made some comment about he's always the guy that is in the huddle before the fourth quarter. Um, but that's the one thing you know that doesn't let him sleep is that he hasn't keeps him going keeps him going keeps Keeps him going going. keeps him motivated um and there's a lot to that what keeps you going uh yeah well part of what i just said in terms of not wanting to let other people down you know i think it's it's funny because i think what keeps what keeps you going should change as as you get older when i was younger when i was in my 20s it was like you know, I want to be successful. You know, I want prestige. I want money. I want like worldly success. And then you get older and you realize, okay, well, that's those things are uh, temporary. Yeah. And and then you get to an age where, you know, for me, part of it was faith. And, and you know, I, I want to live the life that, you know, on Judgment Day when I see St. Peter, he's like, oh, Craig, I've been waiting on you. Come on in. <laughs> Um, and, and you get to an age, hopefully, where you're like, you know what, I want, a, I, I, I want a family, I want a wife, I want kids, I want to, I want to feel that richness and fullness. Um, and then you, you get that and you're like, oh my God, I want to make them proud. I think people, and it's funny because the, the longer I interview people who've achieved worldly success, the more I realize one of the common threads is, People who achieve great things, they're not, they don't do it for themselves. They're not like trying to like make money and be successful and like be an influencer and get a bunch of followers. They find something that they really love, they're really good at. And if they're lucky enough or they're blessed enough, they they can like live for other people. They can but like what, serve other people. They can, you, you can serve you serve other people, you can be an example for other people, but but that's what has to motivate you. For me, like if you're motivated, and then you see people like this from time to time, like if you're motivated by all the bullshit that that a lot of people, like fame and notoriety and or even infamy and money and all, if if that's what's like driving you, then it's like you you you'll achieve something, you'll get, yeah. but 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 you'll plummet. Are there like it's not it's there's there's no longevity to it. Like the people that I know. It's it's like people who find their thing, they do it, it drives them in the professional lane, in the personal lane, they get lucky or blessed enough, then they're like, you know what? Oh, wait a minute. 
I've got people that look up to me. I need to be an example for them. I've got kids. I've got a wife. I got all these. I got parents. I got so I got all these people, and it, that drives you. And if that's what's driving you, that's I just think that's that is so much that it, that's so much more motivating than the other cheap false plastic things does that make sense i don't it know does, if... but i think sometimes you don't know sometimes those cheap false things start to peel away so that you're understanding i don't know that we're capable of understanding what the thing is when we're in our 20s and maybe i'm you're wrong, right no but I i've thought about most people but i think i think there's a through line for sure i think there i remember like i remember board games or toys that i had as a kid it's gonna sound so weird but that lit me up and one of them was some sort of like basketball game or something that you played like getting hoops in. And there's something about that. And there was also this thing that was like a dollhouse where you cer- you turn it around in a circle. I don't know. I don't, I'm no, you sure. don't know that. No. But sometimes I think about that because I'm like, that's like a television set, right? Or the bass. Like there are things that I think speak to you along the way. And that might sound like really nutty. No. But I believe it. And I think for me which is what I wanted to ask also ask you is like, is there a thing that you do now in what you're doing for work that lights you up that has maybe been something that you now realize was a constant? Because I, I think for me, maybe it's a certain part of the interviewing process. Like when I'm engaged in a certain conversation and you're, and there's, you know, when we're connecting about something, I think that connection for me is what drives me to want to do what you're talking about. And I didn't realize that before. I, you know, there are a lot of elements that I love about the different types of jobs that I've had, but I think that's kind of the thing that is the through line. Do you have a through line? I don't understand the question, I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, Like, what, what, is, what is the thing that is the most satisfying moment of what you do? And has that shown itself through I, different times of your Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. The through line is for me, and I think for you too. I mean, I think it's one of the reasons that we work. At, um, I, I, there's always been a legitimate intellectual curiosity. And it, it, and sometimes not even intellectual. Sometimes it's just, just naked curiosity. Like I'm just, I'm interested in lots of different things and people and ideas. And, and, and so I've, you know, it's kind of found a job that, that lets me satisfy that. Like I get to, you know, whether, you know, you're interviewing like heads of state and, you know, tomorrow I'm going to New Jersey to do a story on some, some brewery. And then, you know, last week I'm, I'm doing a story, um, on a, a, a cemetery down in Virginia where they unearthed their remains of, of 63 people that were buried before the United States was even a country. And, but it, but that all that like appeals to me. So I so I so it's so I guess the through line is ADHD. Uh, maybe like maybe it's you know like I'm just out here. I'm there. I'm there. And shiny so, objects. That's what you I, I, get upset with me about. Well, being, big, my shiny objects are professional. My woo. But mine are professional, and sometimes yours are personal, and that's a different podcast and YouTube series. Um, but scavenger hunts and yeah, no, but things I, that make, I, but it's lots of different interests like sports. And I, I could, I think the through line, honestly, I have always been fascinated by 
like ordinary people. I'm not talking about actors and athletes and I'm not talking about like famous. I'm talking like ordinary people who do extraordinary things mm. and who do those extraordinary things sometimes under the greatest of, of challenges and they overcome obstacles and the circumstances are, are, are just remarkable. But I, but those are the kinds of, of stories that, are, that I've always been, been drawn to. And it's, 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 and I, you know, I could, I'm not going to preach about like our cultural obsession with celebrity and how that's potentially led to the demise of modern democracy as we know it. That's not, <laughs> this isn't the place for that. But I, I do think that as a society, if we just, if we celebrated regular folks who do extraordinary things. I have, and I have an idea. You should do that series, but you know what it should be called? Sure. What is it called? Capital extra hyphen. No, lowercase extra hyphen capital ordinary. Get it? Cap extra ordinary. Okay. Emma likes it. I, 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 Emma's behind. She's behind the camera. She's running audio, and she didn't sign video, up for any of video. this. And video. But it's but, good. But but I, I would tell you, I not to sound whatever. I have three jobs now. I can't sign up for another. Well, we could do that together. But, no, I'm kidding. But I think that that, no, I, I love what you're saying. I no. think that you're. But that's what, I mean, to, not to take it back to, to Chris or, or my book or anything, but if you look at Chris Paul's book, if you look at my story, like it's, you know, I celebrate my father because he, he was an ordinary guy. It's, he's not dead. He is an ordinary guy who overcame extraordinary circumstances, circumstances I could not fully appreciate until I was older. You look at Chris Paul. Chris, Chris overcame some pretty extraordinary circumstances mm -hmm. and he achieved. And I, I would maintain, I would maintain that if you take a look at people who've achieved, again, by our worldly, worldly standards, people who've achieved, most of them, most, and there are obvious exceptions, most of them have overcome something. And, yes. and, and oftentimes it's, it's something Extraordinary. And sometimes you know about it. A lot of times you don't. But people who are driven, like driven in a bizarre way, they're driven that way because that's all they've known. Because, you know, for me, like I, you know, my dad was getting up, working third shift, 30 years, two thirds of the time he was doing it drunk. He didn't go to college. He didn't know where his father was until he was 13. And this, and, and he, he got three kids through school. And, and it was, and there was never, and, there was never an expectation that we wouldn't go. But so, so, and now he is a dedicated, devoted grandfather sure. and father. And it's not that he wasn't before, because what I remember is when we were first married and our, our son turned one, you could see the man who was trying to be the man he wanted to be, mm -hmm. but was truly fighting those demons and demons and could not do Couldn't it. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it until you guys decided that you were going to take one more shot. And so that's not lost on me. And I think that's a mat. I mean, that's why I'm, your book is pops is so powerful. I'm not trying to sell any books. I'm not, I know you're not, but this is but, our, that's your story. Yeah. And, it's our, and I think that, but, 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 but Chris, I mean, Chris was hanging out with his grandfather. So, right. And then the next day, so he Chris, gets killed. For context, Chris 
I'm not going to give away too much of the book. No, but what one of the most this is what it's it's I mean it's everywhere about the book to get people to to read it, which is why they should. But the day that he signed at Wake Forest that night, he's with his grandfather, one of his most important people in his life, and that the very next day, he um, he was murdered. And so, but what what I thought about when I was reading that part was Chris is thinking about the devastation. What he might not be thinking about is also what a gift he no, yeah, gave right. his grandfather the day before, right? Like, I know that that sounds morbid, but that's very true. I would, but I would take this step further. Now, the gift that, his grand, that, that he just gave his grandfather, I would, I would maintain that <laughs> as, as morbid and macabre as this may sound, that that murder, not a, that wasn't a gift. And that's not the way. Right. But it motivated him. Like it drove him. Like it became, right. like it's, it becomes, like you have to have something that drives you. You have to have something that, that, that's getting you out of bed. That's like, you've got to have, you've got to have something that's guttural. And, and I think one of the things now with like, not to sound like the old man on the porch waving his fist, you know, a lot of the things that drive people, it's material. It's, it's like, you know, clicks and likes and follows and all that crap. And it's not like, I want to make my grandfather proud. I want to make my father proud. I want to make my kids proud. I want to make my wife proud. I want to, I, I want to live the kind of life that when my grandchildren log onto the internet 30 years from now, they're like, oh my God, that's granddad. Oh my <laughs> God. that, And, and that's, yeah. and, and, and if that becomes your mindset, you live differently. So since you're talking about that, what is it like for you when you are now with your dad? Oh, oh my God. Well, at a family event, at the beach, wherever. It's a different relationship. At first it was off-putting because I didn't recognize them. You know, I was like, who is it? Well, no, because if you've known someone to be one way for 40 or 50 years and all of a sudden they're always sober, and they're always present and they're, and sometimes they're the only person. That, so at first it was off-putting. And then after, I'd say maybe a year, year and a half, you, you, you come to realize through conversation and through observation more than, than conversation. Here's a man who's living the life that he wanted to live for decades and he wasn't capable of it. And now he is. And you can marvel in watching that. And you watch him with, you know, not just our kids, but with his other four and and he's the grand he's the kind of grandfather that you want him to be as a father. And 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 you're at first it's you know, if we're being honest, um, at first it was like, well, this sucks, you know, like it was 60 Because you didn't. Yeah, I didn't that. get that. And then you're like, you know what? Here's God doing his thing again, mm-hmm. um, giving us something, not just for us to enjoy, but to demonstrate and prove that it's never too late, that you, you can't give up on someone. And, and, and we're not talking like five years or 10 years. We're talking a legit 40 years of addiction, emotional absence, 
verbal abuse sometimes. Like we're talking all this stuff and you write someone off and just when you're ready to give up on them, you know, someone plants a seed and they're like, you know what? Hey, here's your, here's your chance. Here's, a, here's another chance. Don't it just seize on it, seize on it, seize on it. And you seize on it and then... And so my dad, when he and I have talked about this and I've said to him before, I was like, you know, you'll be, you'll, you'll be long gone. But people will come to appreciate the example that you've set in your 60s and 70s. There is not a, a, a three-day period that passes. There's a woman that came up to me today on the plaza. She's like, I read your book. And I, I had a, an aunt who was an aunt. Like people who come up and, and want to talk about like the, like their addiction story. Or the, a loved one that they lost, or a loved one that they're trying to save, and and that's going to be his legacy. Like his his legacy, yeah, isn't going to be like the forty years of what he was. It's going to be the 10, 15 years of who he became. Yep. And there's power in that, oh, and there's yeah. a me- and there's a message in that. You know. Yes. I hope we're out of time. Gee, <laughs> this is enough. I, and and. I wasn't paid for this. Like, this is just me and my booth and I didn't sign up for it. So thank um, you for your time. Never again. Thank you for your time. This has been an excellent debrief. I learned a lot about you. Is there anything else oh, you'd like up. to add? I knew all this stuff. Is there anything else? No, I'd, I hope you pay my day rate. Is there anything? That you... All right. Uh, Cheers. I don't, uh, oh, is this, oh, oh, that's nice. If you take anything out of that conversation, I hope it's, the part about not giving up on someone. I specifically remember those days when the family was going through that process of having the conversations with Melvin's father and to see it on the other side now is, as he said, just such a testament to believing in someone, but more than that, believing that people can do better, that people can change and that there is hope at the other end. So that is really the main reason that I wanted to share that conversation because The battle is not over for someone that is going through addiction and I understand that through conversations with loved ones and with my father-in-law, but I think, you know, understanding also that it's a joint journey, right, with the family is so key. So anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching and if you like this episode, let me know. I would love to hear your comments and also things that you would love to hear about. So thank you Family Made for the partnership and to everybody involved in this conversation. I'll see you next time.